This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Torah True, the total Jew. I wanted to uh, discuss in greater depth some of the concepts that we discussed in the introduction, which is the whole concept of this um, total Jew idea, uh, that Yiddishkeit is talking about the totality of the Jew, who, who we are and uh, what we are expected to accomplish in the world and just how all-encompassing that is. In other words, we don't just put Yiddishkeit into a corner and say, okay, we fulfill our obligation and we do what we're supposed to do and that's good enough and the rest of the time we have our own lives. Uh, it really doesn't quite work like that. I mean, you can get away with it, let's put it like that, but it's not what uh, Yiddishkeit was intended for. It's not, you know, the whole um, the whole approach of the Torah, the way it was given on Har Sinai, and the way the Jewish people itself was uh, created, was, was developed... It was never intended to be just, you know, another aspect of our lives. It was intended to be the real, um, uh, the 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 main thing, the ikr, the, the the point of our whole lives. And till a person becomes mature enough, till they can really understand what that means, uh, takes a while and to really integrate that because. People as a whole want to be independent. They want to have their own lives. They want to make their own decisions. They don't want to be told what to do, especially not in the modern world where we're you know, uh, given this concept of freedom, um, free will, this kind of thing. Um, so it's always a challenge to, uh, to deal with Yiddishkeit and how all-encompassing it is. And we've said this before. So let's take some examples of really what this totality is talking about, the uh, you know 360 degree type, you know 24/7 type of Yiddish guy that we're we're describing here, um, and what happens is we uh, a lot of people are wary of things that uh, get too in, into the realm of Kabbalah. I want to start by explaining that uh, everything that's in Kabbalah is is in the Torah uh, in a more basic level. You know that we can uh, all of those parameters and all of those basic concepts are there. Uh, we'll get into exactly how Kabbalah goes a step further, or you know, goes deeper into the same idea and simply uh, gives us more details, more fleshes it out, uh, and, and lets us see more of the total plan. But um, you know, we take that gradually and uh, build up into that deeper perspective. But the point is that everything is already already there to begin with. Okay, so let's take an example. For example, a very simple thing is um, the concept of oilam shon and nefesh. It's uh, you know often called the time, space, and soul um, as parameters. Now. Obviously, although the specific words of Oilam Shana Nefesh are in the Sefer Yetzirah, which is one of the most ancient uh, Kabbalah swarm that we have, 
Um, the idea is obvious that it's there uh, in, in all of the mitzvahs and in all of the Torahs that we, we see. There's, there are these three parameters, and it's a very uh, powerful parameters because what we're saying is, is that everything appears within the, the uh, framework of time and space, meaning that if you have any mitzvah, the first thing you ask is, uh, when do we perform the mitzvah? That's an aspect of time. And where do we perform it uh, and, and with what objects or you know, ritual objects or whatever it's, it is to be performed? So, for example, uh, take tefillin. So tefillin is something which we uh, have to have the actual objects of the tefillin. We have to know, and then there's the object of who, you know, who, that's the nefesh, that's the, the soul aspect, who, who is the person that's supposed to be doing it, so who is required and who's not required. So we see that tefillin, for example, because it is what's called a mitzvah shazman gruma, it's something that the time, it's, there's a time element there, you don't put on tefillin at night. So therefore, and you don't put it on on Shabbos or, or the holidays, so therefore it's something that's restricted in terms of time. It's, it's something that has a specific time where it's applicable and, and, and a specific time and it's not. So therefore, it's in the realm of time. So it's in the realm of space also. The most mitzvahs, the, the mitzvahs that are the most in, in, uh, dependent on space are mitzvahs um, that have to be performed in Israel, in, in Eretz Yisrael, in the, the Holy Land. Uh, that are some, there are many mitzvahs that are simply not applicable outside of Eretz Yisrael. So those are situations where the place is the determining and limiting factor. And then, uh, if, uh, you know, who is to do them? So, again, uh, with uh, tefillin, for example, and all the mitzvahs that are, are limited by time, then they are uh, not obligatory on women. They're only for men, specifically. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that women can't perform them, but they're not required to do them. So, um, these are all aspects of uh, Torah, that are implicit in every mitzvah that we do, that we always have to figure out what the um, requirements are in terms of those three parameters of, of space, time, and soul. Now, the fact that we look at life in general, and, spe- and specifically our obligations in terms of Torah mitzvahs, in, the, in terms of space, time, and soul, means that these are important things for us to look at in life in general. In other words, we have to look at the way we spend our time. We have to look at where we are supposed to be and, and how that impacts you know, our behavior. And, and then the aspect of the soul, who we are and what, what is our relationship with other things in, in the universe. And that's a constant thing. In other words, time doesn't stop. You can't escape time. You can't say, well, sometimes... I am available for Hashem, and sometimes I'm not because I, uh, I I'm, you know, uh, either that time doesn't exist or I'm above time or whatever. You can't escape time. Time is there no matter whether you like it or not. It's, 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 in, it's inexorable. It's something that, that progresses no matter what, and we have to deal with it. So therefore, we have to be thinking, you know, how am I spending my time? My time is my most... Um, uh, Talk about time is money. Time, time is our most valuable asset. So what we do with our time is the biggest question. And, and then, it, it, it's, again, it's not just some time. It's all the time. So it's, uh, you know, we, we, the, the Shulchan Orech is ordered 
from morning, the, or the section of Orachaim, is, is in the, the, the mitzvahs are, are um, structured and ordered from morning till night. Was what do you do from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to sleep at night? And then what do you do in the course of the week? Because, for example, there's Shabbos. So every seventh day, you've got Shabbos, and that's a whole other set of, uh, of, of rules to do and another a, whole, uh, and a, and a, a totally different dimension. It's me'en or the mahaba. It's something that is a precursor to, to the world to come. So that's a whole other world. And that comes after the seven days. And then we've got the whole cycle of the year. So we have to worry about you know, what, what, how are we going to go through the year and how are we going to, what are we going to do with every aspect of the year. Ideally... <clears throat> On a higher level, and we'll probably devote uh, at least one entire podcast to this subject alone, is the concept of, of this matrix that is created by looking at things in terms of, of time, space, and soul. That's the idea that at any given moment you can plot your position. Where, where am I holding right now in terms of where am I and when is it right now, and, uh, and, and you know, who I am at this particular point, where, what aspect of my being is being energized or is being realized at this particular time. So if I was to take a, a, a three-dimensional graph, you know, three axes, and then put one of, the, you know, one, of, one of these parameters on each of the axes, I'd be able to actually like place, plot my, my position in time, space, and soul, and where am I? How am I progressing? How am I moving through that that matrix, that graph area? Where? How am I positioning my, my myself? Am I going up? Am I going down? Am I going around? You know, where where am I going in a three dimensional space created by those three uh, axes of time, space, and soul? So, again, it doesn't make sense to talk about this as a, a, a occasional. Preoccupation is something that just is you're you're dealing with some of the time because all of those things they are there all the time. You're always somewhere and you're always at, at, at you know at some time and and you're always who you are. But all of those things are, are changing. They're going they're fluctu they're fluctuating as you move physically around within space. Your space is changing. Your, your space is changing. If you if you're um, as you're progressing in time, you know time. Passes so as you're progressing, day, night, you know, uh, afternoon, you know, whenever it happens to be, or in terms of the calendar, in terms of the time of the week, in terms of the time of the month, in terms of all these things, all that stuff is changing. So you have to be doing the appropriate thing according to uh, where you, when you find yourself, and then who you are. You're you're changing as a person. So your your position always is constantly changing. You're going up and down. Sometimes you're more inspired. Sometimes you're 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 in a bad mood. Sometimes you're, you you feel. Uh, sometimes you're sleeping. Sometimes you, you know you uh, are more alert or less alert. Your ups and downs. All of these things are constantly changing. So the question is, how do these changes impact, um, or rather, how does Yiddishkeit impact those that constant? Flux, that constant change that's going on. How do we? How do we? Uh, what's the relationship between what the Torah is telling us, you know, in our relationship with Hashem, and what's going on in our lives regarding all three of those things all of the time? Okay. Let's take the idea of 
of uh, the soul itself. Now, the, 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 the individual, let's say, the person. Okay, so Torah talks about the concept of, again, we break it down. So it's, we, we have this concept of nefesh, ruach, and neshama. So very often uh, these three terms are used, and each one is breaking, it, breaking out down the person to a different aspect of who they are on a spiritual level, because really the body, which is the, the tangible, physical part of the person, is already in a different, in, in, on, on, on a different level. What we're talking here is about the uh, non-physical, some so-called metaphysical aspect of the person. Uh, how do we look at that? So Torah is breaking that down to um, these three components, and then on a higher level, we go to the Kabbalah adds to that the concept of Chaya Yechida, which is really above the person in a sense. Um, so we've got the nefesh. The nefesh represents the life force of the person, which is his. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's also all very often um, associated with the, with the blood. Adam uh, nefesh, it says. The blood is this nefesh, nefesh being uh, a more or less a physical driving force which gives us the energy to live our lives and to be, to be alive, right? So that's, that's that kind of physical thing that keeps the body alive. In that sense, they call it also the nefesh of Bahamas because it's something we have in, in common with, with all living beings, with the animals and everything else. They all, all have some kind of a force that's enlivening them. It's not just a body because if the body didn't have a force keeping it alive, it would just be a stationary thing and it would, it would decay. The body was what keeps it from deteriorating and it, uh, and it gives us the power to be able to move and to, uh, to think and to, you know, to act. So that's a very basic level of just, you know, the life force. Um, and of course, you know, we're not talking about science's perspective on this. Science has a different way of looking at everything. And uh, Torah is, is definitely um, not necessarily opposed to science because we recognize that science is there for a different reason. And for its purposes, it has its way of looking at things. But in terms of... Uh, of uh, Yiddishkeit, which is talking about that there is a spiritual and a physical, and they uh, influence each other, and and actually how how the interaction is taking place is really the subject of basically all religions. Anyway, so we have that aspect of the life force which is uh, animating the person. Then you have ruach. So ruach is a more complicated thing. Ruach is, is associated more with breath, with the idea of you know the, the air, the, that uh, breathing, right? Um, which is also a basic aspect of life. You can't you can't live without breathing. Um, the question is then, how is that different? It is already going into a higher level in the sense of, first of all, encompassing the emotions. So when you talk about just a physical life, you're not saying that it's, it's actually feeling anything. It's uh, it's alive, but it's not. Uh, it's it's there's nothing driving it. There's nothing giving and motivating it to do anything. Um, maybe aside from stuff like hunger, you know, hunger and thirst, just things that are necessary for the basic, uh, basically staying alive. The ruach uh, is giving a person more motivation. So he's he's uh, he's going beyond just the minimum. <clears throat> and one of those things that could stimulate him is, is the desire for for. Uh, 
you say the 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 concept of uh, of kinotype of the COVID jealousy. Uh, he wants something that somebody else has, or um, uh, Taiva. He has a desire for something for whatever reason that he wants to acquire, so that drives him to do something in order to acquire that thing. Uh, and covet is is this idea of being uh, honored, of, of having other people feel good, of, you know, uh, giving him uh, their respect <clears throat> and honoring him. It's also a thing that you know some people need more than others, but it's something that motivates people to do all kinds of things, so that they can other people will look up to them. Um, so that idea of a ruach is more of a motivating factor that they want to get something, or they want to. They're they're more ambitious. They're 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 going to go out and and in the world and accomplish something so that they can have these things that they want. Um, and then you got the aspect of neshama, which is more the aspect of the intellect. It's it's the the thinking aspect, the the brain aspect of uh, figuring things out, uh, knowledge for its own sake, and there's just a curiosity about things. How do things work? Uh, uh, coming to higher appreciations and and higher uh, being able to con- uh, uh, expand our our conception, uh, our, our ability to understand and to reason and that kind of thing. So that's and that that sometimes as People consider that to be a reason for living in itself, just just to pursue uh, the knowledge, you know, and, and, and thought processes and that kind of thing. That's that's what motivates them, uh, and it, that's out of the realm of things. It's more into the realm of concepts. So it's even further removed from the physical. Okay, so that defines basically the idea of of um, of. Uh, there's an interesting uh, uh, framework uh, that uh, I've, I've seen in the Maharal of Prague, but he talks about breaking it down into um, the nefesh, the tselem, and what was the other one? No, the goof. The goof, the nefesh, and the tselem, elikim. So that's a rather different way of looking at it. There he's focusing more on what keeps the physical and the spiritual or metaphysical together. What, what, is, what is holding it together? What, what, that's what we say by the bruch of Yasher Yotzer, you know, Yasher Mafli La'aso is the idea that why doesn't the life force, so to speak, just, just leave the body? What's keeping it together, united with the body until, until a person dies? Um, and then they're separated again, but what is keeping them together? So he says that there's the idea of the goof, which is a physical body. Then you've got the nefesh, which is that which is animating the body, the spiritual aspect of it, again, which was broken down then into the nefesh of Neshama. And what's keeping them together is the tselem elokim, which is the image of God, which is interesting because what that's, that's saying is, is that the human being, you know, who has a tselem elokim, is basically uh, different, you know, essentially different than an animal, because an animal also has a body and some kind of life force, as we said before, that's keeping it together, that's, that's, that's animating it. So in a sense, you know, what's keeping that together? It doesn't have a tselem elokim. So what he's saying is, is that the tselem elokim is something, is a godly aspect which makes human life different than animal life. It's not the same thing. A man transcends the animal. And what's transcending is that is that, that his whole purpose for living and his whole, um, his ability to, to connect to the godly aspect of 
life and to bring that into life and to expose that through life and manifest it in life, that's his whole purpose for being. So that's a whole other uh, way of looking at things, uh, of, of human life itself, in terms of fo- focusing on that which makes it godly, which, because um, the intellect alone, of course, also separates man from animal. The, man, the animals, of course, also can think and they can do things for themselves, but they don't have this desire to, um, to go further and to transcend the human condition, so to speak, that just the natural, uh, what, what they do naturally without, without trying to uh, grow in any way or to progress in any way. So an animal is, is, is satisfied with that, whereas a man is not. He intrinsically is always trying to go higher. So that is, is a, an expression of its desire, of the man's desire to uh, confront the, uh, the, uh, the holy, the, the, the celestial, the, the, these aspects that are beyond his reach in a physical way, but it gives him his whole reason for living, uh, on, on a higher level, so that again is a godly thing. That's that's Tzelamilakim, which separates him from the animal. Okay, so all, now we've got. So we're getting starting to get an idea of an of, of an uh, overriding uh, framework that the entirety of life and creation is made up of, and is in a sense has to has to deal with it. It's in, it's in service of this thing because. Ultimately, people will, mankind, will be looking for answers. They're asking questions, they're looking for answers, and they're looking for meaning. They're looking for a, a reason why. Why am I here? What, what am I doing here? What am I, how, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Right? So a very simple person that just doesn't think much about anything will be satisfied with just maybe taking care of his basic needs. But once the person realizes there's more to life than just that, then they start, you know, searching for this higher dimension, and that is what religion in general is intended to uh, to to provide him with. It's going beyond simply the um, you know the minimum that that what you just need to stay alive because that just feels like it's very uh, and especially in just to fulfill our needs and desires it seems like a very animally animalistic existence and we intrinsically you know inherently feel that life is meant to be more than that um, so we've already talked about the idea of which is the, this aspect of space time and soul. Um, and then we talk about the breaking down the soul into the nefesh, ruach, and the shama. And then we can talk about time in terms of, of uh, how that breaks down. And Torah is, is very concerned with that kind of thing because we have certain times of the day in which certain things happen. <clears throat> and that, for example, davening chakras. So, Kriya Shema. Um, these kinds of things can, are done at specific times during the day, which you really have to do them when they're supposed to be done. Otherwise, you're not uh, you know, that mitzvah. You're not you're not fulfilling the, that obligation. So it's meant to be performed at a specific time. The the, the the mitzvahs that we do on Shabbos, we don't do do on the rest of the week. The mitzvahs that we do. I mean, uh, talk about the holidays. I mean, uh, mitzvah of putting up a sukkah. 
is something that you don't do uh, the rest of the year. You do it, on, you could do it, but it's not going to be a mitzvah. So in terms of fulfilling Hashem's roots and what Hashem wants us to do, that's specifically uh, done at a specific time, and it's not done just any time. So the time has a lot to do with it. Okay, so, so this is very significant because all of a sudden we realize that just understanding that things are comprised of Oidem Shon and Nefesh is not enough. We have to understand how those things are relevant to specific people at specific times and you know, when we're supposed to do them and when we're not supposed to do them. And then it, it's a question of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and what's, what Hashem's roots and what Hashem want from us in terms of, of all those things. So once we're now, um, uh, you could say, directing or restricting the way we spend our time or the, w- the kind of places that we go to at various times. I mean, for example, the Sholosh uh, Regolim in the times of the Besam Mikdash and the great the temple in Jerusalem. So that was the time that you went to Yerushalayim. Everybody had to go. I mean, of course, there were people there all the time. But the time when everyone had to go was during the specific uh, Yom Tovim of, of Pesach and, and Sukkot and Shavuos. That was the time that they had to go. So there's a specific time for that. It wasn't just any time. So, the same, so then we get this idea that that time is something which has specific obligations related to a specific time, and we're talking about, again, all the time. All the time is included in that that overview. Hashem is always here. He's always looking at us. We are always uh, concerned and, and, and aware of his presence uh, on, on a, again on a, a 24-hour basis. So how do, how do we then escape from his, his being there? We can't just ignore him because we know he's always there. So therefore there's no, there's no way of getting out of it. There's no way of of, of saying that, because that's reality. No, it's not just a matter of making rules. The reality is that we have, that the time is always here, and Hashem is always here. So therefore, we have to um, create an, uh, an attitude or a mindset which is going to be able to handle that kind of reality. Which is very different from people that say that, you know, um, well, the only time we uh, worry about religious things is on Sunday or something like that. Or, you know, it, it's, uh, we, can't, um, break, we can't ignore it to that extent because, again, Hashem is always here. There's no, no escaping. Or, and then there's no play way of going to some place in the world where we, Hashem won't be there and we won't have to worry about our obligation to Him or relationship with Him. Because he's always there, uh, and he's and he is everywhere. And and beyond that, on the level of nefesh, he he encompasses us. He is a part of us, and we are in a sense a part included within him. So therefore, our very being is constantly uh, involved with him. It's it's again, it's not something you can ever be escape from or or consider to yourself to be independent from. Uh, and this is, uh, as, as much as simple as this might sound, it's an extreme, in, in terms of really living that way, it's a, an extremely um, all-encompassing experience. It's, it's something that I don't know how many, uh, in, in other religions maybe uh, there are some people that are expected to be on that level, 
and other people are kind of um, potter. They're, 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 uh, they're exempted from being on that level of, of, of that constant involvement. Whereas by us Jews, it's, it's really everybody. Of course, there's different levels, and there's, you know, there's a kahanim who are even more involved than the normal people when, at the time of, in the time of the Bismiktus, at least. Uh, there are rabbonim, there are tzaddikim, there are all kinds of different levels of, of, of people and, and how much they choose to uh, take advantage of that opportunity to be close to the, the, the Creator. Um, but it's something that is, is, uh, is on a certain essential level is expected of everyone, uh, regardless of their, their position in society or how they, who, what, how they were born into it, because that's the nature of the, of, of the thing itself. You always have to be, again, plotting your, your position and what you're supposed to be doing at any given time. Um, so what, in order to handle that, in order to cope with that perception of reality and, again, who we are and what the Torah is asking us to do, we have to work very hard on our own mindset so that we should not consider this to be a burden, you know, something which is uh, holding us back or restricting us. Because in a, in a sense, if you consider that all of, we have all the options in the world of what, what we would like to do or what we could, you know, at least theoretically do, which is really not true because we don't, we can't just do whatever we want. There's lots of restrictions and, and limitations on us uh, aside in terms of what we're, who we are and where we are and how much money we have and what uh, country live, we live in. And all these things are, are constantly limiting uh, our options. But there is an illusion that a person can do what they want. And the more rules that are placed on them, the more limiting it is. And when a person develops the correct mindset uh, the mature mindset within Yiddishkeit, he realizes that the more um, uh, the, the more is expected of us from the Torah, it's actually more liberating. It's something that's giving us even more options than somebody would have if they didn't have those rules. The rules are directing us and they're <clears throat> giving us opportunities to be able to express ourselves in areas which ordinarily we, we wouldn't have those things. So we really have to look at it in terms of, 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 of that is our ticket to be able to get to the ultimate destination which we are, are striving to get to. And that is a whole, um, that's, that's, a, that's a very, very serious uh, uh, attitude to have. And the difference between an attitude of a person that, that will throw it things off at the earliest opportunity as, as they did, for example, the, the immigrants that were coming, going to America from, from Europe and they were throwing the tefillin into the sea because, oh, now I can do what I want. Now I'm free, right? Whereas, according to us, the freedom is in the, is, is in the luchas, is in, is in the, the tablets of the law itself. That's where real freedom is. Uh, I was once asked by somebody on the street, a young guy comes up to me and he asked me, what is freedom? And I just thought for a minute, and uh, I felt like, you know, Hashem put the words in my mouth. But basically, I said, freedom is the opportunity. He's damnut. It's the opportunity to serve the Creator. That is the biggest uh, liberating factor. It's something that, that we are um, we're chosen, and we are, are, are uh, uh, what's the word? Uh we are given this incredible opportunity to be able to 
serve the Creator in a specific way that He wants us to, uh, and to do His will, which opens up a tremendous uh, dimension that those that do not have those expectations on them or those rules on them do not have that same opportunity. They can never get to that same level simply because they weren't chosen for that purpose. So it's a kind of like, you know, if, if, if the king um, chooses someone out of the multitude to come and serve him as his personal uh, envoy or his personal uh, servant in the house or whatever it is, that person is going to now enjoy a relationship with the king that nobody else has because he specifically chose him to do something. Uh, now, it's somebody who just on his own decides to uh, do something special for the king. So that's very nice, and, he, he, and hopefully he'll present it to the king, and the king will really appreciate it. But it's not the same thing as if the king himself chose this person to do something special for him. So I just want to get into this, just before we, we, we end here, I just wanted to, to uh, mention, you know, before we go further with this kind of this, this, this train of thought, that what Kabbalah is doing is, it is showing us the unity of all of creation and how basically creation is, is, is uh, set up as layers. You can think of it kind of as overlays because the, all of the different aspects of life which Torah uh, deals with are all, um, are all corresponding to one another in different elements of life because of the unity of life itself. It's, 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 it's fitting and proper and possible that everything is corresponding to everything else uh, in a different, in just, just on a different dimension. So uh, to get uh, just an example of that, how things line up. I mean, you've got, you have the idea of, of um, the, the different oilimus, um, the different worlds, which is, uh, we've talked about four worlds of Atsilus, and Bria, and Yetzira, and Asiya, which is basically going from Asiya, which is the level of, of the physical world, which we see, and going up into higher spiritual realms until you get to Atsilus, which is the, the level of the spheres as, as, as a whole. Now that corresponds to the, the Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chai, Yechida, meaning that the real d- uh, dwelling of each of those aspects of the, of, of the, of the individual corresponds to those different worlds. Each one is capable of accessing a different one of those worlds. So on the physical level, you've got the nefesh, which is basically in the physical body. It was enlivening the physical body. But then you've got the ruach, which is already going up to the level of Yitzira, which is associated with the malochim. And then, it's, for example, the singing of the malochim is that you sing with your breath, so that's the idea of the breathing. There's various, uh, various correlations, but that's uh, on a simple level. And you've got the, the neshama is on the intellectual level, and that's able to go on to the level of Bria, which is the Kisei HaKovet. Anyway, so these kind of are, are over, over, over uh, it's an overlay, it's, it's another layer of existence which, it, which, which makes it correspond. And there's a bunch of these different things that, that um, as you get you know, further into the Kabbalistic uh, uh, visualization of the world and how it presents reality as a whole, you see that more, that over and over again, these same like four uh, things come up in the, the four letters of the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vovke, and you've got uh, uh, just any, any number of things that are, are uh, the four directions. Uh, you've got the four, uh, basically, the, the ways of, of kind of categorizing the spheres themselves. Uh, it's a, a, a quiet, just almost encompassing just about everything. You've got 
which is the inanimate and the animate and the vegetation and animal world and the and man all all of these things are corresponding to this this um, categorization of what reality is and once you master this perspective on the world, you realize that whatever we do, because Hashem has set everything up to kind of depend on us, whatever we do affects all of creation on all of these different levels, depending on, you know, who we are and where we are and, and how we're doing it and on what level we're doing it and all these kinds of things. So that is just a, a kind of a, a, a deeper a, a understanding of what we talk about when we say that that um, we are uh, the idea of, of, of totality and shlemus, this idea of completeness. And according to the um, to the Maharal, the idea of completeness is which is is, is what brings simcha. So you, when when you are uh, achieved a certain level of completeness, where you're not lacking, so then you feel this idea of simcha, and that's why there is. Uh, it's it said in the Gemara that the simcha is is only really truly a simcha mitzvah. The only true simcha is a simcha mitzvah, because a mitzvah is when we fulfill the, the desires and the and the will of the Creator. So that binds us together with the Creator. So we're we're mamish together. We become a certain aspect of unity because we're doing His will, and we're making Him happy by doing His will. And and because of that. Shlemus that's created that that completeness and the sholem, sholem and shlemus. It's this idea of, of that that peace by being at one uh, with the Creator Himself in terms of, of, of filling His will. That brings the simcha shal mitzvah, the ultimate happiness and ultimate joy into the world, which uh, which is the the uh, which is what we're all working towards and what the coming of Mashiach is all about and everything else. So um, hopefully we made this a little bit clearer on a little deeper level, and uh, then we can go in, you know, from, from uh, time to time we'll go into specifics and, uh, and how to see this on a, on, on a level of, of specific realities. Mm-hmm.